couple of years ago, we were at Jagan Mohini, and um, somebody asked, we had a potluck, and somebody asked, did you make this cake? And she said, yes, I mean, Krishna did. And it brought me back 25 years ago, because I used to hear this thing, you know, the doer, but mm. I haven't heard any of this for so many years, so... Can you just talk in general about what does it mean that you're not the doer, what the implications are, and why did it sound so odd even after being involved for so many years? Yes, but I asked you a question. What's that? But I asked you a question. Oh, I thought you said... Okay. <laughs> I said, where is course Oh, I didn't hear that. He was... Taking her some rest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the doer, who does what? <laughs> Who's doing what? Um... Um, yes, there is uh, a, an important statement in the Bhagavad Gita. In the third chapter, Krishna says, Prakriti kriyamanani gonai karmani sarvasa ahankara vimudatma kartaham itimanyate. He said that the uh, living beings are um, foolish in thinking themselves to be the doers when in actuality um, the modes of material nature, sattva, rajas, and tamas, are um, doing things that the living entity thinks himself to be the doer of. Now, the modes of nature, sattva, rajas, and tamas, this is um, a uh, kind of a description of the modus operandus of nature when activated by consciousness. It has different modes of expression, it's thought. And... um, In a, it, it, to give it a kind of a modern interpretation, kind of inertia um, and uh, movement and um, clarity. These, these, given that we look at nature as, as being divided into two, uh, one, one substance with different categories. There's a physical category and a psychic category, physical dimension and the psychic dimension of matter. So mind and body are both divisions of matter. So these modes are thought to be operative in the psychic as well as the physical dimension of of nature. And uh, so in terms of action, then the mode of Thomas' ignorance causes one to be more inactive, inertia, to be lazy, to be um, lacking motivation, intoxicated, hmm, for example, would be an influence of of the uh, tamasic mode of nature. Then you have the rajasic mode of nature, the passion to improve the material condition. Under the influence of the tama, tamas, gunas, tama, tama guna, there's no impetus to improve the material condition and no insight into the spiritual condition. 
rajas is what we see in, in the, the, the desire to climb the material ladder, to improve the material situation, um, and so forth. Then sattva, the mode of goodness, is that influence that causes clarity of, of thought and um, ultimately insight into the nature of the self that transcends these influences altogether. Hmm. So, nonetheless... The self that transcends, by its very nature, being ontologically different from both physical and psychic matter, is identified with matter. Hmm? Just like we identify with things, as I often say, and then the things become important to us because we've identified with them as ours, we kind of project ourselves into them. Hmm? So consciousness has the power to kind of animate nature, invisible power, if you will, to the microscope or the telescope or scientific instruments. Um, And having activated, if you will, nature, then it starts to move in such a way that it enamors us. So let's give an example. You're sitting in front of a blank screen and you have the power to turn it on and then the show comes on and it can capture your attention to the extent that you could project yourself into the picture itself and start to think in virtual reality that things that are happening or appear to be happening in the virtual reality are actually happening to you and that you're actually in there moving and so on and so forth, something like that. So our material condition is thought to be, according to the Gita, something like that. Hmm? Uh, To give a modern explanation of this, um, of sorts, um, there are many things that the brain does as a machine, if you will, a sophisticated machine. It's a certain combination of material ingredients, same ingredients that everything else is made up, up of, um, materially speaking, but it's a very refined kind of combination of these ingredients, and it does certain things, hmm? um, many of which we think we are doing. Hmm? But you could have, for example, artificial intelligence do things. You know, a, a computer can play chess. Hmm? So it's just that's an example of something that you can create materially, something like a brain, and it can do many things. Hmm? What it can't do is have qualitative experiences. Like the computer can't say, I won the chess match. I'm the champion. (laughs) And feel what it's like to be the champion. But it could win the game. Hmm? So this is the the one thing, at least one thing that they they can't find in the brain. Hmm? This uh, center of qualitative experiences, feelings. After all, a machine is quantitative, hmm. not qualitative. It, again, it doesn't. The machine doesn't perceive happiness, sadness, uh, red or blue in the way that we do. It might perceive all the, all the, all the material, physical ingredients of red and blue. Know everything about red and blue. From a physical point of view, 
but the experience of red, that's another thing. The, the machine, they haven't created a machine that has a, if there is such a machine, we are that machine, uh, so to speak, or we are in a machine, and in the context of that machine, we are having these qualitative experiences. Qualitative experiences are actually occurring in the mind, in the psychic dimension of matter, but the possibility for the psychic dimension of matter to have those experiences is dependent upon consciousness itself. So this psychic matter is subtle and has the ability to reflect pure consciousness and then have a quasi-conscious nature itself. Um, And so mind and, and, and brain like a glove and a hand, so to speak, and you could press on the brain and certain things will happen in the mind, or you could press on the mind and certain things will happen in the brain. Hmm? They're different, and different from the two of them, the physical brain and the psychic mind is the self, right? Hmm? So anyway, the self plugs in, so to speak, to material nature and animates it, and then gets enamored by it like a person might turn on the television and then be enamored by it. And you have to come and pull them away and say, it's time for dinner, turn off the television. Hmm? So um, so we're plugged in, in this way, to nature. And many of the things that we think that we are doing are actually the mechanics of nature and, um, and the brain being a sophisticated combination of material ingredients does some sophisticated things. Hmm? So this verse of the Gita can be, could be translated in a modern way to say, foolish people think that they are the doers of things that are actually done by the brain, for example. Hmm? But there are not everything about us can be um, identified with the brain or with the mind. Hmm? And this is the part about us that is... That is that is, constitutes our real self and is independent, really, of the brain and the mind to be realized through spiritual practice and be experienced. Hmm? So the verse in the Gita says that people, foolish people, think themselves to be the doers of things that are actually being carried out by, by nature. Now, we've set nature in motion, so made it possible for it to be a doer of sorts. Like, you have to turn on the television for it to be, have an effect. So we turn on nature... And, and, and then, then it has kind of, it's in motion, it has a life, so to speak. And it can take over our life, in, in a sense, and delude us. And, uh, and we can think that, again, its movements are our, are our movements. So this is one place in which this issue is addressed. Now, um, that doesn't say that we are not doers at all, but it says that we, are, we think we're the doers of things that are actually done by nature. There are other things that we do, that nature can't do. As I said, we can be qualitative experiencers. Actually, we, 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 I should say, we, we, we can be, we, we activate material nature. So our will, our desire is behind the whole show, so to speak. And we are, this verse does not say that the, the jiva, the atma, self, is not an agent of action, a doer, a causal um, has causal efficacy. You cause things to happen. We do. We think we cause so many things to happen, right? We think. I think. Like think. I'll go for a walk, and therefore my legs start walking, and so forth. 
for example. It's called downward causation. We think from here, it's initiated, and then that's how it feels. Then the action is followed out. And that up here is not just the brain, but that's me in there. So it's true to an extent. And in a a broader sense, as I say, that we activate material nature. We we turn on the television of, of the show, so to speak. Without us, it doesn't have that uh, same capacity. So, so while while we misidentified with with nature and its movements, and don't see that ourselves are the cause even of those movements, that doesn't mean that we're not a doer, an agent of action. If we were not an agent of action, then there would be no meaning to good and bad. And we're talking about agent of action, we're talking about libertarian, you know, free will. Hmm? Right? Will and action here, they're going together. So we, we have a will to do something, hmm, a choice. If we were not agents of action, again, all the scriptural statements about what you should do and what you shouldn't do, or the whole moral realm of um, what you ought to do, would have no um, no meaning. Hmm? It's, it's, an, it's an interesting point, as an aside, because, as I was saying to some of the devotees the other day, if there are some people, of course, who think that there is nothing but physical forces in the world, and that's all that's going on. And they want to reduce these ideas of mind and soul to actually just physical forces and demonstrate that that's all there is. They're not successful in doing that in science. There's what's called an explanatory gap in terms of explaining the whole of existence in terms of physical forces. We know there are certain physical forces in play that cause things to happen. They want to say everything that's going on is simply a physical physical forces. Therefore, there is no such thing as a mind or, or consciousness, a soul, as we talk about it. And so they want to show by uh, scientific gathering of data uh, that, uh, and demonstrate through observation that, that, that this is all that's really taking place. But there, in the attempt to explain the entirety, a theory of everything, if you will, through this approach to uh, everything being physical, there's what's called an explanatory gap. There's a small little piece missing. Hmm? They just, they can't quite complete the circle. And the gap is about as wide as the, you know, Pacific Ocean. (laughs) Wide as the Grand Canyon. You know, it's huge, actually. It's a huge gap. But they try to make it sound like it's just, we're just a few inches away from just, just completing the whole thing and showing that everything is physical. This is blowing up in the face of, of um, uh, really the, the those who are trying to do so, and and so more and more there are heretics from physicalism and naturalism, and saying this is just this, this, this is not possible. To explain the world like this. There are other other influences besides the physical forces. There are physical laws, but there are other. There's mind. Hmm. It must function under different laws. There's consciousness so forth. So we're in that um, group. But in that group, 
we uh, are, uh, among others, those who think that the Atma, the self, consciousness, is, is an agent of action. And that's important, hmm? as I'm saying. Because if, you, if you're not, if you don't have any free choices, then there's no meaning to good and bad, and, you know, why lock somebody up? You didn't do anything. So why have a debate? We're just, they're just material forces going. That's why when you, den- when you deny that there is anything, any objective good and bad, an objective good and bad, a good and bad, a right and wrong that has, is rooted, has an ontological rooting, it's real. There's a real good and a real bad. If there are only physical forces, there's no real good or no real bad. We could pronounce on this is good, this is bad, but it's not really rooted in, in being, in, in nature. Hmm? So morality kind of goes out the door hmm? in terms of any objective good and bad in what's called naturalism or the idea that everything is, for example, you know, just physical forces. Now, morality is, in a phrase, what you ought to do. But as much as what you ought to do is thought to be no, not an objective reality within physicalism, similarly, what you ought to think, the same applies to what you ought to think. Which means... There's no objective criterion for what you ought to think. So in, in, in a discussion, for example, in, in other words, rationality is also thrown out the window in terms of it there being any objective rationality along with objective morality. What you ought to think or what you ought to do, there's no objective, I can have a conversation with you and, and contradict myself and it doesn't matter. Hmm. What kind of conversation can you have then? Where is rationality? So, so the, the, this is these are some of the problems with this um, idea that everything is, is, can be explained by physical uh, forces. It becomes an irrational argument, hmm? um, and, and and the attempt to to say, well, no, there's a way to make rationality. It's very very convoluted. We have this phrase in science, Occam's razor, which means that can be, the, the 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 simplest explanation is the most elegant and probably the right one. So the you know these arguments that for reality being physical only, hmm, if you press on it, press on it, the thing has to be somehow expanded in some way to accommodate mind and still keep it physical and 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 try to come up, well, well, we can have morality anyway, even though there's no objective morality amongst ourselves, we can still you know, come to some conclusions for the sake of human society and so forth. It becomes very contorted and convoluted and not the simplest, most elegant um, explanation. Hmm? Now, that said, um, while I'm saying that, I'm just giving a brief couple of words on this that physicalism is is a, is a theory naturalism that ha, that has an explanatory gap it can be argued that our 
theory has an explanatory gap also. So how can consciousness influence matter? We can't see it, we can't measure it. How do we, you know, what are you talking about? Hmm? We could measure this force or that force. How can an immaterial force influence a material um, object? Hmm? So, you know, we have to revert to such as the power of consciousness. And in order to experience it, you have to go within and so on and so forth and, and so on. So, you, so the demonstration of that requires the going within the subjective world itself through meditation, because you can't go there objectively. Hmm? You understand? You have to be objective to go there, because you have to draw back from the world and, and not be attached which is a way to be objective, because if I'm too attached to you, I can't be objective. If I love you and, I, and you're bad, I, I, I kind of like, well, I don't, I don't see that part, you know, um, because I'm attached to you, and, and so I'm, if I step back and I'm objective, I have to say, well, actually, she's pretty bad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so to step back from the world, in a sense, through detachment is very much part of real spiritual practice. In that sense, it's objective, but it's an objective um, approach to then kind of objective subjectivity, if you will. Then you have to go inward and meditate and, and have the inner experience of all the self is, experience the theory that the self is independent of psychic, of thought and things. Hmm? Experience it. Now, when you experience it, you can, come, you can say, I've experienced it, but that's your subjective experience. So, in a world where they want objective proof, what can you say? Hmm? You can say, meditate, mm-hmm. become detached. Well, they're not a you know scientific community. Not about to do that. Become to you know, <laughs> go and live in an ashram for the rest of your life, a few lifetimes, and, and so forth. So, uh, at any rate, it is a, it is a, is it is a. a it is, this is the divide, you know, materialism. Is, it is always going to be there in the world. It was there thousands of years ago. It'll be here. Right now it has some power um, in the minds of people because through materialism and the manipulation of matter, we've provided many, many things, conveniences for people. And, and, and um, in some ways, improve the world. I don't think in a broader, you know, overall sense, but in some smaller ways... Um, that loom large for those who are, you know, materially attached and suffering as a result of it, or poor, or have bad medical, you know, insufficient medical care, and so on. Like in Europe, there were plagues and so forth, and with the mention of modern medicine, it's gone away, and, and so on. But, um, you know, it's not like everything's just progressing and getting better and better. That's, that's quite an illusion, to think that many of the things that we think are better, we may, may turn out to have been very bad when we look back at them. Hmm. Hundred years from now, thank God they did that. They thought like that then, and all so many problems have come from that, and now we're trying to solve them. So, so, <clears throat> so, at any rate, there is the idea is itself. It's a unit of of will. Hmm. In that sense, it's a it's a doer. Hmm. It, 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 and um, and this is true in in uh, theistic Vedanta. It's not true in the Yoga Siddhanta of Patanjali. Hmm? 
um, there, the, there the, the individual self is a witness, not a doer, not a qualitative experiencer, different sadanta. In uh, the um, monism of Shankar, Dvaita Vedanta, there is no individual self. Whoops. So, anyway, there's some, some differences. Even, even while these are both uh, d- spiritual disciplines that are ego-effacing and posit that there is something called consciousness that transcends material nature. So, so there have been some g- good arguments against, for example, the Yoga Sutras in terms of moral responsibility. Because if the self is not a doer, again, where does moral responsibility come in? If you're not an agent of action, then how can you be uh, culpable for anything that happens? You didn't do it. <laughs> Something else, the brain did it, you know, or whatever it was. So, just to go into it in some, some, some depth, there is, a, there is a self that's a doer. Hmm? Now, many things are done by nature and the self thinks itself to be the doer of those things and that's an illusion. So spiritual practice is to step back from that and see yourself for what you are, which is much greater than anything, any movements of nature or any functions of the brain, the machine of the brain. Hmm? Machine, the brain is like the computer and in the mind is like the software, the hardware and the software. Hmm? So to a computer there's hardware and there's software and what else is there? There's the user, right? There's the user. Right, so that's, so you have body or brain in this case and mind, it's the hardware and the software and then you have yourself, the user. But here in this case the user is being used hmm, by the machine. The machine's taken over, so to speak. We were talking the other night about virtual reality and the problem with that. The kids get into virtual reality and get lost in there. Hmm? So the machine's taken over their life. Hmm? So in that situation, we could say, you think you are doing the things that actually the software is doing it or the hardware is doing it. And so the Gita is speaking like that in that verse. But it's not saying, as might be misunderstood by some, that the, the self is not a doer at all. In fact, the next verse of the Gita, I forget exactly what it says, but it speaks about those who are not identified with nature. Hmm. So their situation is different, so it demonstrates that self is actually a doer, when apparently, it's taken out of context, that verse seems to say it's not a doer, everything is done by material nature, so it is a doer. Now, that said, as an agent of action, if the, if the Atma, the self, has the opportunity to choose, for example, bhakti, because bhakti, as a spiritual opportunity of grace and a corresponding practice, comes into your life and you choose that, then you are coming under that um, uh, influence. Hmm? And so, in in that case, you may be nimitta matram babasabhisachya, and this is from the Gita, the idea that that the uh, the jiva could be seen as an, as in some cases as an instrument through which God works in the world. Hmm. There is the statement in the Gita: the Mahatmanas Tumamprata Daivim Prakritimashita. They are great souls. Atma means soul. Maha means great. Great souls whose self is expanded, so to speak, 
by way of being givers and sacrificers, lovers, hmm? radical selflessness, and so forth. Hmm? And so they empty themselves out of material desires and attachments and so forth. And they leave room now for the influence of bhakti to come into their lives. And then they become prakriti, mahatmanas to mahatmanas, daivim prakriti marsha. They're moving under a different influence. There's one, so I'm contrasting these two. Moving under the influence of material nature, we think ourselves to the doers of things nature is actually doing. And we're lost to our our own, what our own self is and its prospect. The other side of the spectrum is one comes under the influence of bhakti and he or she's moving in the world and, and, and as an agency, agent, agent of the Godhead, so to speak. And, of course, it's not, a, it's not an, an unknowing situation. One knows, so. Krishna's working, working through that, that person. Mahaprabhu told Sanatana, Sanatana Goswami, he had the, um, was jailed by the Muslims and he escaped and he had to walk across India to try to find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And, and uh, in doing so, he uh, dressed like a fakir, like a Muslim kind of Sufi mystic and, um, so that he'd blend in. And he was a famous person in the, in the Muslim government in Bengal. He was like a cabinet member, so to speak. So he was a well-known person. Um, and then he met Mahaprabhu in Benares. In Benares, Mahaprabhu was staying with Chandrasekhar, and he said, someone's at the door through his omniscience. Please bring that devotee in. And Chandrasekhar went to the door and said, there's no devotee, there's a, there's a Sufi there. And Mahaprabhu said, no, bring him in. And he came in and Mahaprabhu embraced him. Hmm? And Sanatan felt very embarrassed because he was unclean, traveling, and had. Uh, so, Mahaprabhu said to take a bath and change your clothes and so forth, and he shaved his head like a monk and and so on. So, Mahaprabhu was very generous to him out of affection. He just embraced him. So later, when Sanatan came to Jagannath Puri to meet with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had contacted. Uh, he he had drunk some water in the Jarikanda forest that that caused some. Um, it was uh, contaminated in some way that caused open sores to break out on his body. So he's coming to Puri, he was thinking, I'll meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's so generous that he will embrace me, but my body is so um, uh, disgusting that, uh, that uh, I, I don't want that to happen. So he, he, there was a fam- there's a famous, course, festival in Jagannath Puri, the Yatra Festival, it's called uh, for for the for uh, Jagannath, the deity of Krishna. The British word Juggernaut comes from this. It's a it's a um, what would you call it a adulteration of the of the original Jagannath. It means an unstoppable Juggernaut in the British uh, dictionary, the English dictionary, is a, is a, an unstoppable force. So they saw this. They bring the deity of Jagannath out on this big, big chariot, and then people pull the chariot, hmm? and millions of people come, hmm? and it's, it's, I mean, millions of people this annually. It's a huge thing, and 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 sometimes people get run over by the cart, falling in the crowd, and so forth. So the British they looked at this and they thought, this is a 
very tribal and weird and you know uncivilized and having this festival and the juggernaut doesn't mows down anything in its way something like that but if you look theologically at the whole thing it's very very sweet and very very charming and juggernaut is moving according to the the dancing of the devotees in kirtan and they stop and he stops and they move and he moves. It's, a, it's beautiful stories of the Rathayatra and the theology behind it, the feelings, the experience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his devotees when they participated in the festival. Hmm? The force, the unstoppable force is not Jagannath, but it's the bhakti, it's the chanting, hmm? the love of the devotees. Hmm? When, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was dancing in the festival and the cart was moving, and he stopped dancing, or, or he was dancing, and 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 and, and Jagannath's cart stopped, and he was stunned, hmm? and no one could move the cart. And they put an elephant behind the cart and tried to push the cart; it wouldn't move. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu began the kirtan and began dancing again, and then the cart moved. So, they revealed that, that the power of bhakti hmm. was at play. So. At any rate, Sanatan thought, I'll come to Jagannath Puri, then I'll just throw myself under the Rathiatra cart, and, and it'd be a form of like spiritual suicide, something like this. So Shaitanya Mahaprabhu, I won't offend him with my body, because he's so affectionate, he, won't, he will reach out. So. But Mahaprabhu, with his omniscience, could understand, and he came to Sanatan unexpectedly and said, don't, don't throw your body under the Rathiatra cart. I have a thing, many things I want to do through your body in this world. Hmm? And then he embraced him. And then all the sores disappeared. Hmm? And then he said, at the time of initiation, you get a spiritual body. Hmm? Your body becomes spiritualized. And you get certain parameters to live within. As much as you live within them, it's, it could become spiritualized and so forth. He's talking about the power of bhakti. Hmm? So this is an instance then in which someone is moving in the world under the influence of bhakti and doing the bidding of, of Krishna only. Hmm? So it's kind of the reverse out of material nature is actually doing it, you think you're doing it. But in bhakti, of course, you don't think that you're doing it. You think Krishna's doing it through me. Now, you know, that's for very advanced devotees. That's the case for them who perfected their sadhakadeya. It may not be the case um, for, for everyone. Hmm? But there's a there's kind of a, a, a bade and abade perspective on this. There's a oneness and difference perspective. Hmm? Identity and difference. So in from the identity perspective, that the jiva becomes one with Krishna in love, then Krishna is playing out his own joy through the instrument vehicle of his devotee. Hmm? So the jivas are one with Krishna and different at the same time. So from the from the from the abed non-difference or identity perspective, this is how Vedanta Sutra talks about it. Of course, then the the Bhagavan is is through many bodies, many swarups of perfected devotees. Even in Leela, hmm, he's playing out his desires. Hmm. And it can pertain also to, this, to the realm of the Sadaka Deha, practitioner's body, when it's perfected and so forth. 
from the Abed perspective, then, the devotees are all um, expressing their will under the influence of the Sarup Shakti. The material nature does kind of inhibits our will. The more we associate with matter, the more we become kind of like matter, identified with it, and the more we're just forced to act according to the influences of nature. Hmm? Bhakti comes in, tries to pull you out and says, you're actually a doer. You know, do bhakti. And you, you can see. Then, then, you're, then you start to exercise your will within the influence of the sarup shakti, of bhakti. And it facilitates the will of the jiva and all that the jiva is. Material nature doesn't facilitate what the jiva is. Hmm? It makes us like, like matter, like machines almost. Not a, I mean, it, it obscures the self. It doesn't change the self or make it matter or anything, but it puts it to sleep, so to speak. Hmm? Makes it unconscious, like itself, inert. Hmm? I mean, it is consciousness, but consciousness, you know, it's not aware of itself. So, the converse there, the Sarup Shakti, has it, the one Maya Shakti is a deluding influence, Sarup Shakti is an illuminating and enlightening influence. So all that the self is, comes out. And that it's, a, that it's an agent of action, has will, and so forth, comes out. So from the Abhate perspective, the friends of Krishna, like depicted in this picture, they're doing the things that they want to please Krishna. And some like mangoes, and some like bananas. Hmm? But it's all, all this liking and the, and the choices of the self are all under the influence of the sarup shakti, which entire, as, a, as a shakti, as an energy, as a power of God, is all moving only for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? My shakti is not moving only for the pleasure of Krishna. I mean, in an obscure way it is. I mean, it's working under the direction of Krishna, but it has a deluding influence, and, and that's a whole other story. But in, in sarup shakti is... It's all for pleasing Krishna. So all the desires of all the devotees, they're not just machines, automatons, they have different desires and so forth, uh, manifesting in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Leela and all pleasing to Krishna. Hmm. And so from the Abed perspective, the non-difference, we're one with God and different at the same non-difference, we're doing our thing, <laughs> so to speak, and it's all pleasing to Krishna. So... Something about the idea of the jiva as the doer, and the idea that Krishna is doing something, you know, through through me. So sometimes we see, even in 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 neophyte devotees, they say they do something wonderful, they cook something, and everybody goes, "Oh, it's such a now this is fantastic, and you made this." And he goes, "No, Krishna did it, not me. Hmm. I, uh, that's it. I have no, you know, I was there. I prayed to Krishna, and somehow it happened, you know." I was the instrument, it, it happened, but without him, I tell you, frankly, I couldn't have possibly done it. They, they, they think like this, they feel like this. So, In a simple way, they're expressing this, uh, this kind of idea. Mm. Krishna's power is making it. Anything I do, is just, I give him the credit, something like that. Mm. There's also a simple idea that you hear in, in Christianity that, that well, say in the Gita also, I think that that Krishna is, Krishna is, God is the ability in people. Hmm. So, they're gifts, if you will. Sometimes we think, he's gifted, she's gifted person in this field or that field. So, who's giving the gift? 
That's the point. Right. Does that help? Yeah. All right, what's the time? Okay, we'll stop there. Shishidaji Gopal ki jai. Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Or Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Or Premanandi.